0: You know, in a world that we live in today that's a world of tolerance, uh, for those of you that are my age and older, what that meant when we were growing up is not what it means today. Uh, When I grew up, tolerance meant that I totally disagree with your point of view, but I'll tolerate you, but not your point, and I can fellowship with you. In the world that we live in today, we're really forced with this tolerance of everybody's belief that what you believe is, well, I've got to say it's okay, and what I believe is okay, and I've got to accept what you believe, and you've got to accept what I believe, and it doesn't really mesh up at all with the Word of God. Uh, the boys and I went surfing yesterday, and I remember I was, well, I would call it surfing. I got one ride and got wet a lot and tumbled, um, but I was going down the beach trying to find some better waves, and, and here comes two girls walking down the beach holding hands. You know, and I, even in preparation for this sermon, was kind of caught off guard, and how do you respond to that? If that would have happened when I was young, everybody would have looked at them with this awkward look and not agreeing with, but in today's world, if you give that look, then you're the one that's wrong. And so... In the world that we grow up in, the world that our youth are growing up in today, where we're supposed to tolerate everything, I would say that we need to understand what we believe so much more than even we did before, so that we can stand firm in the midst of a culture that we're in. And so this morning, we're going to start a new series that will take us through the rest of the summer, That's really just entitled, What We Believe. What do we believe as Christians? What do we believe are the fundamentals of the faith? You know, And there's lots of things that we can talk on. There's lots of different doctrines that sometimes in Christian worlds that we, we argue about. And, and I'm just going to emphasize that the ones that we're really going to look at, I would kind of put on a, a, a tier that are the, the non-negotiables. These are the ones that are hills to die on, if you will, ones to argue about. And there's other doctrines that are important, but we can still have fellowship with our people that don't necessarily agree with what those doctrines are, but we've got to understand what it is that we believe. And so my, under, my, my goal for this series is that it would create a, a more of an understanding of certain biblical truths. Today, we're going to look at who God is and God the Father and God the Son, just as we are we're singing. Next week, we're going to look at God the Holy Spirit. The following week, we're going to look at the Word of God. How do we know that this is accurate? Um, because if this isn't accurate, then what is it that we actually stand on? Because even what we're going to talk about today, we're going to get from God's Word. And if it's not without error, then how do we know that what it says about God is true? Uh, and so as we build upon these things, hopefully it, for a lot of you it just be a reminder. For some of you it will be new information. Uh, but for all of us, I hope it gives you a desire to go back in throughout the week and study more of the things that we're talking about. Um, we're going to fly over... God, that sounds funny. We're going to go through quickly who God is today. We're not going to fly over God. That would be impossible, right? But we're going to go quickly through who God is today and really just scratch the surface. But I hope that it stimulates something inside of you that you would want to go and pursue more. If there's a verse, a couple of verses in Scripture that I would say would apply to this series, it would be Colossians chapter 1 and verses 21 through 23. You know, the first part of a reminder and the second part of a challenge, and it says this in in verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And that's all of us, right? All of us at one point in time were hostile to Christ. We were doing evil deeds. But then something happened. We received Christ and now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present us holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, minister. My my desire is that, that we remember where we came from. We remember that we were once hostile towards God himself. We were hostile towards Jesus Christ. But then when we accepted Christ, something took place. where We were being transformed and continue to be transformed from the inside out so that, one, we could be presented to God in righteousness. But here's the deal, that we could stand firm, that we would be stable in all that we believe, no matter what's going on around us with this world of tolerance, that we would be firm. While I was in Israel, I Skyped into a meeting we had with our our parents, youth parents, and, and a lot of the youth. And I share with them just my excitement for where we are as a church, my excitement for them. Uh, and, and what my desire is that as our children go through our children's program and they graduate to our youth program that in our kids program they've really understood the scriptures and we've told them about the stories of scripture and as they come up in there they're understanding them more and more but as they get into the youth program that it's becoming their own they're thinking through it intellectually and it's becoming their own faith not their parents faith not my faith not this church's faith but their faith that they're understanding biblical truths that are concrete in their evidence so that their faith is so strong that when they leave and go off to college their faith doesn't waver at all and that's our desire that we we need to be pouring into our kids we need to be pouring in our youth so that they can stand firm but it's the same for us as adults i think all of us as adults would agree that because of the bombardment of you know different lifestyles that we we are so forced with and it's in our face to to really accept things that god says is unbiblical now, we need to love those who are living in that way, but accepting and tolerating them, not, not so much. You know, it's, the reality is that one day all are going to be judged. In Romans chapter 1, 19-20, it really talks about God. It says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them. And I want you to just let that sink in for a second, that what can be known about God is plain. It's plain to everybody, because God has shown it to them. And you have to ask, well, how has God shown it to them? Well, I think in a lot of ways, because we're created in the image of God, there's something inside of us that God has already pre-wired in our DNA that we understand who God is. And then when we look at creation, we even see more. It says this, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Just look at creation around us. Look at the details of creation. Look at this the human body and the complexity of it. There is no way fathomable that it happened by chance. And what this is saying, God has made it so plain to people about who he is just and what he has created, so much so that here's what Romans says, they are without excuse. Let that sink in. Just because of what God has already wired us with is in, in, in creation, what we see all around us, that He has made it so plain about who He is that every person is without excuse. We need to understand who God is. We need to understand what we believe about God so much so that we are, our faith is increased but that we can stand and talk to other people who don't think that there is a God, don't think that, that that they think that we just happen. And not do it in a way that is argumentative, but in a way that they just see something different inside of us and say, I want some of that. You know, just about every religion believes in God, right, except for atheists. And I scratched my head on that one, but they believe in God. And you can talk about God all day long until you talk about who? Jesus. And then everything changes. We believe in God the Father. A lot of religions believe that, but as we saw, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit that make up one God. We believe that there's only one God, one living and true God. He is intelligent. He is spiritual. He is personable. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the preserver of our salvation. He is the ruler of all of this universe. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is never-ending. He is perfect. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He knows about the past. He knows about the present. He knows about the future. He knows all things, and to Him we owe our love and our honor and our respect and our worship. We believe there's only one God. Only one. The Bible makes it clear in Isaiah 43, 10, that there, there are no other gods. It says this, that you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and that you may believe in me and understand that, now listen to this, I am he. It's a very significant statement in the, in the Hebrew, I am we're going to see this a little bit later that Jesus said those same words and he got in serious trouble for using those words. That I am he and before me there was no God that was formed nor shall there be any after me. That he always was, that he always will be, that this is what we believe about God. In Revelation you know, chapter 22 and verse 12 and 13, this Is this what it says. And behold, I'm coming soon and I will bring my recompense with me. To pray each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the First, I am the Last, the Beginning, and the End. That's what God declares about himself, that he is God, there is none like him. Here's some other things that we believe about God and some verses that go along with them. As I said earlier, we're just kind of flying through some of this. God is perfect, and he is holy. There is none like Him. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. That means He's everywhere. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything that you have done, everything that you have thought, everything that you have acted upon, that you've already done. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you'll do tonight. He knows knows all things. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere. There is nothing that we can do that we hide from God. We need to allow that to sink in as we understand who God is, but isn't it awesome to know that He's also all-loving, that He's a God of love, a God of mercy, and so one of the things that we believe about God is that He is a loving Father. Now, many of us, you know, have great dads, and some don't have great relationships with their dads, and so a lot of times that affects our view of who God is as father. But as we read through his word, he talks about God as father. Let me just tell you a story that you guys, some of you may remember back in, I think, 89, there was a, in Armenia, there was a great earthquake, and it pretty much leveled everything. The earthquake took place during the, during the morning when the kids were in school, and there's one particular school that just imploded upon itself. And as people came and workers came, they're all trying to dig out to get to these kids, and hours went by, and, you know, it was Five hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours are going by and they kept digging and digging. And there's one dad that said, no matter what, son, I will always be there for you. He dug and he dug and he dug. At 12 hours, I told him it's not, there's no way that those kids are alive. They hadn't heard anything. It went on for 24 hours and then 36 hours and people are trying to say, it's useless. Don't do it. He was digging so much that his hands were bloody. Then he heard the voice of his son. As he cried out his name, he said, Dad, I'm here. Not only was the son alive, but just about every one of those kids was alive down there. And this boy said, If my dad is alive, he will find us. That's a loving father. And that's also an example of our loving father in heaven who loved us so much that he sent his son. To search for you. To pay the penalty of your sins, as we'll see in a moment. That's the loving Father that we have. Yes, He's a God that is a just God. He's a God that can't have anything to do with sin, and therefore sin is going to have to encounter His wrath. But He loves us so much that He will do just about anything in pursuit of us so that we can experience that love. The psalmist said in Psalm 62, 1 and 2, he says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation and my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Is that your God? Do you know God enough intellectually? Do you know God enough in your soul? That's what you can say. First John 3 also talks about this. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. God loves us so much that not only does he pursue us, not only does he move mountains away so that he, he, we can have this encounter with him and this relationship with him through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, but then he calls us. After all we've done, after all of our sin, he calls us his child, and he adopts us into his kingdom. So we believe in God the Father, but we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in God the Son. And this is where a lot of people get upset. This is where a lot of people get angry when we start talking about Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever asked yourself why. Why do, do people get upset? You can talk about a relationship with God all day, <clears throat> but when you talk about a relationship with Jesus, that's when it gets interesting. And you'll find out real quick where people stand. Why is that? I believe it's because it's truth. And that the enemy, who people don't realize it, but they are worshiping the enemy, and the enemy has so deceived them that the very name of Jesus, which one day every knee will bow, there's this resistance. And yet, when people resist Jesus, why does it make us stagger and push us back? I think part of it is because we really don't understand who God is, we may not really be convinced ourselves, but we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, but we believe that Jesus is completely God. In 1 John 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse, verses 1 through 5, you know, it, I love this because it's so simple and straightforward. It says this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, and, and through Him all things were made. And without him, there wasn't anything made that was made. In him is life, and in that life is the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Right here we see that Jesus was with God right there, that Jesus was God, that he created the world. You know, and, and some, So many times we separate Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. When we, when it's, you want to get a headache, try to figure that one out. But it's one God with three parts, you know, that he was with God in the beginning. We also believe that Jesus was completely man without sin in 2 Corinthians 5 uh, verses 20-21. through 21, It says this, Therefore, that we as are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God is making His appeal through us. You know, here's the mission that we have to multiply disciples. That mission is to as ambassadors for Christ. That God is making His appeal to the nations through you. Remember we saw before that there is no other plan. There, it, Paul says to the First Corinthians or the Corinthians, "We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, for our sake, make him, make him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus made us he who had no sin, took on our sin, and therefore the entire wrath of God, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. The only way that Jesus could take your sin, and my sin, was that he was perfect without blemish. But still people get mad. They get mad about the word and the name Jesus. You know, there's many religions that believe in God the Father, but they don't believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the difference between just about every other religion. They don't believe what we believe and what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And they don't even, they have this incomprehension of Jesus. As a matter of fact, they don't even understand that Jesus himself claimed to be God. Did you know that? Over and over in the Scriptures, we see that Jesus claimed to be God. In John 8:58, Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, here it is, I Am. Remember, we saw that earlier in the Old Testament. It's a significant statement of the declaration of God before Abraham was. Jesus saying, "I am. I was. I am God." And let me tell you something. The Jews understood that. And later on in John ten verse thirty and thirty three, we see this. Jesus again said, "I and the Father are one." The Jews knew what he was saying, and we see this in verse thirty three. The Jews answered him, "It is not." for a good work that we are going to stone you for blasphemy because you being a man, make yourself God. They understood what Jesus was saying. They understood that he was claiming to be God, and that's what he was murdered for, was proclaiming to be God. You see, this is the hinge of all Christianity. Either he was God or he wasn't. Either he was who he said he was or he wasn't. If he wasn't, then everything that we believe goes out the window. But if he was, everything changes you know, the interesting thing is that even the demons knew who he was. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him. And they cried out, You are the Son of God. Imagine that. I would love to see that. But yet, in the name of Jesus, people get upset. they don't realize that Jesus was God. They don't realize that Jesus, in being God, loved us so much that he came, took on human flesh, dwelt among us, and then he died to pay the penalty for our sins. We're very familiar with Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't even born yet. God, knowing all things, being all-knowing, knew every sin that we would commit, every thought that we think, everything that we would do. And yet Jesus died for your sins, so that you could be reconciled to God. Romans 4, chapter, 20, chapter 4, verse 25 says, Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The perfect Lamb of God was slaughtered because of your sins. And he was raised from the dead so that you could be justified and have right standing with God. We need to understand that Jesus, being God, took on the entire wrath of God. In Romans 5, it says this in verses 9 through 11, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood. It's his blood that has cleansed us. Since we have been justified by his blood, Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. We need to understand that he took on the entire wrath of God in your place, in my place. While we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Much more now that that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life because he came back from the dead. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we now have received reconciliation. It's easy to come to church and sing songs about Jesus and uh, say, yeah, I want to accept Jesus because I want my sins paid for, and never think about what he went through for us. That's why we need to understand God. We need to understand who he is. We need to understand his attributes. Yes, he's a loving God, but he's a God of wrath. He can't stand sin. And so in his love for us, he's made a way to pay for our sins so that we could have just right standing with Him, but also that we can have this relationship with Him. But here it is. Here's the hinge pin of it all. We believe that Jesus is alive. Right? This is what changes it all. You know That if, if he died and that was it, then what, we, we, don't, we don't really have anything to stand on. But if he came back from the dead, and as he claimed to, then it changes everything. We have in, in 1 Corinthians 15 what we call the Apostles' Creed. Some churches recite this every Sunday. I think that's a good thing to, to understand what is it that we believe. Here's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. For I delivered you something that was of first importance that I received, that Christ died for our sins. Everybody would believe that Christ died. Maybe not for the sins that he lived, that he died, that he was buried. But here it is. Here's the difference between Christianity and every other religion: that he was raised on the third day, according to the word of God. There's all sorts of prophecies back here that prophesy about Jesus' birth, the place he was going to be born, how he's going to be born, how he's going to be, how he's going to be killed, and that he would come back from the dead. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas. He appeared to Peter, then the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more, more than 500 of the brethren at the same time. Even though some had died, some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus, who was a skeptic. And then Paul, who was a skeptic as well. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ and we believe that God raised him from the dead to have victory over death and victory over sin. But here's the other thing. This is where we get ourselves in trouble because we're not tolerant. There's only one way to heaven and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 14 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Now you might think, well That's not very loving. Why wouldn't God make more than one way to get to heaven? You know what? When you know that you're about to take on the entire wrath of God, one way is loving. And if that doesn't sit well with you, if there was more than one way to get to heaven, why would God put Jesus through what he went through? If there was another way. He loved us so much that he made a way. He made a way for us to have right standing with God, to stand in God's presence, to be reconciled to Him. When He looks at us now, He doesn't see us as individuals that are experiencing His wrath. He sees us as pure and righteous and holy, not because of our doing, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. One of the most recited verses in the, in the Bible is John 3:16: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should have life. But we forget about the rest. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The whole purpose of Jesus coming in was really to take on the wrath of God so that we could be saved. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him, guess what? Is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. He has not believed in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God, is the only way to get to heaven. First John 5, 11 and 12 puts it very simply. As a dumb jock, I love it when the Bible's clear, says this. Listen, this is the testimony of God, that he gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that simple. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, not in word, but in your heart, you've made a commitment to follow him, you have the son and therefore you have life. If you don't have the son, you're going to experience the entire wrath of God. This is why this mission is so important, that there's so many people out here in our own community that have no idea that, we're, that they're going to experience the entire wrath of God. And we, if we understand who God is, and we understand what is about to happen to them, and we love God and we love them, then we've got to share this good news with them, because here's the reality. One day soon, Jesus is going to return. This reality hit me hard when I was in Israel standing there and looking at the things that are, are taking place. It may be today. It may be in a couple weeks. It may be in a few years. It, it, who knows when it's going to be, but the reality is this. The stage is set for Christ to return at any moment. We don't know. The disciples thought that he was going to return soon in Acts as they saw Jesus sent into heaven. They're standing there wondering what on earth is going on. The angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking in the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up into the heavens will one day come the same way that you saw him go up. He is going to return soon. And so we need to make sure that we are in right standing with God, that we understand who he is, that we accept him as our Lord and Savior. But then we need to be able to tell other people because of our understanding, and because of our love and compassion for them that we wouldn't be so scared and intimidated to be silent. You see, the reality is this. The words that Jesus said in Matthew 7. I think even for some of you sitting here this morning, some of you are going to hear these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and serve in VBS in your name and teach those third graders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He's coming soon. And we need to make sure that we have committed our lives to Christ as our Lord and our Savior, not just as our Savior, but we have committed to following Him. We understand, yes, we believe with our mind, but that we with our soul are putting our faith and trust in Him. I believe there's many people, and probably some here this morning, that as a child you prayed a prayer, that you even had the guts to walk an aisle because you didn't want to burn in hell, and then you got dunked in water, but here's the reality. All you did was get wet. It wasn't baptism because you didn't have a relationship with Christ. Praying a prayer, walking an aisle, does not mean that you have a relationship with Christ. I believe many people who have done that are going to hear the words of Matthew 7. One day, I never knew you. He's coming again soon. He's a God that all knows all things. He's all powerful. He is just. He is a God of wrath, but He is a loving Father. He has sent His Son so that we could have our sins paid for, and that if we put our faith and trust and follow Him, not in word only, but in our actions and our deeds, not only do we have our sins paid for and that we get to spend eternity with Him, but He transforms our lives from the inside out. I believe there's many here today, you've made a profession of faith, but there's been no transformation at all. That may be because you don't have a relationship, but it may mean just because you don't understand some of these these truths. And God's saying, it's time for you to study for yourself. It's time for you to dig in here and understand who I am. I've put it all in here so that you can understand so that you could grow in your faith and and become more Christ-like and therefore participate in making God's glory known and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with every person that will listen. John 10, verses 9 and 10 puts it so clearly that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead It says you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified, not intellectually, but is right here in our soul that one believes and is justified and in our mouth that we confess and therefore are saved. If you aren't sure that you have a relationship with Christ, today's the day to make sure If your faith is wavering back and forth because of the doctrines of the world, because of this tolerism stuff, today's the day to make a commitment to get in here and start studying God's Word. Study who He says He is. In in two weeks, we'll look at, is this true? Last week, we had a young man. He's sitting back over here somewhere. Young teenage boy. Came forward to say, I want to know who Jesus is. What about you? How many are here today that need to know who Jesus is? We're not going to force you, we're not going to twist your arms, but we just want to present the evidence to you so that you can make your own decision whether this is true or not. We want your life to be transformed by Jesus there's nothing we can do to do that for you it's only through the work of Jesus that your lives can be transformed but for those of you that know you know you have a relationship with Jesus do you love him enough Do you love your family and your friends enough to have the guts to share who Jesus is with them One day he's coming back. One day soon. And the last thing I want to hear when I get to heaven is that I didn't do all the things that he asked me to do. And even though I don't know that this is possible, I surely wouldn't want to be standing there seeing somebody that's about to stand before God and look at me in the eyes and say, why didn't you tell me? He's an all-loving Father. He sent His Son to pay our debt, and He just asked that we would follow Him in obedience and tell others the good news, the life-transforming news of Jesus. As we come to this song of invitation, I ask that you would respond accordingly. Maybe you need to find out a little bit more about who Jesus is. Maybe you need to get a little bit more serious about studying who he says he is but i think all of us would agree that we've got to do a better job of engaging in our community to share the love of jesus in a way that people will listen not the door-to-door strategy that nobody likes anymore but building relationships with people so let me take this opportunity to encourage everybody between now and the end of the summer i want you to invite three unchurched families into your home Three times between now and the end of the summer. Here's what we're doing in our neighborhood. We're partnering with our neighbors that go to church with us. And we're going to do a block party. We're tag teaming. Probably get a whole lot more people that way. Just build relationships with your neighbors. Hang out with them. Fish with them. Stop and talk to them on the way home. Build a relationship with them so that when September comes and we have friend day, you can just invite them to come to church. We'll share the gospel here, and they'll hear it. But we've got to be bold. You know all it takes most of the times? It's just building a friendship with those who don't know Jesus. Would you be willing to make that commitment today? To follow him and make his glory known? Let me pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you are a God who abounds in love. Lord, you are a God that even though we deserve your wrath, that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you have allowed us to experience your mercy. Father, I pray right now that your spirit would testify with our spirit, that your spirit would testify with each of us who do have a relationship with you, that we are indeed sons of God. But Lord, that if we're not sure, that we would have the guts to come and talk to somebody so that we can make sure that we have a relationship with you. But God, I pray that through that relationship that you would continue to allow us to understand who you are more and more and more so that our faith increases, so that we can stand firm and not be tossed back and forth by all the doctrines of the world. But Lord, that we can stand firm and we can share the good news of Jesus with everybody who will listen. In Jesus' name.